give me one shot here on a blue chip stock, believe me, Kevin, the only problem you're going to have is that you didn't buy more. Nobody knows if the stock is going to go up, down, sideways, or in circles. What's going on, NBA Draft fans? Your boys are back. The Wolves of Ball Street. Your boys from the Draft Act. NBA Draft Podcast. My name is Corey Sullivan, and I am here, as always, with my co-host, Garbage Time Albert Kim. Albert, what is good, my dude? What is going on? It is a... It's a good day. It's a good day whenever we're sitting talking about basketball it means we're we're living a blessed life dude i'm excited i'm 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 ready to talk about a guy who i don't know Corey. is he is his stock falling is it is it rising i don't even know i feel like he's almost <laughs> becoming the forgotten guy um yeah. in the discussion of the top guys so i'm excited for us to talk about him and maybe get him some more um some more love some more publicity i don't know what but um i'm ready to go yeah, he's certainly been a conundrum uh, as far as like you know, sometimes it feel like it feels like he gets less left out of the top three conversation, but then you'll be listening to a podcast, read a report, and they're like, you read that there are some GMs and executives that have him maybe one or two. So this is going to be an interesting episode. We're 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 going to cover Purdue guard Jaden Ivy, twenty years old right now, sophomore, listed at six four, two hundred reported near 610 wingspan uh he did not measure at the combine he he graciously bowed out of of the measurements uh but listed 64200 again with a near 610 wingspan put up 17.3 points per game 4.9 rebounds per game 3.1 assists to 2.6 turnovers 0.9 steals 0.6 blocks Shot 46% from the field, 35.8% from three, 74.4% from the line, 57.9% true shooting percentage, PER 22.5%. You mentioned his stock price. Like, is it rising? Is it falling? Well, if we go look at where it was preseason, he was 12 on ESPN, 20 at SB Nation, 14 on Bleacher Report, 13 on Basketball News, 11 on Tankathon. That was an average price of 14. He came in at number 11 on the draft deck IPO. So he was outside of the top 10 entering the year. Um, but then as the year started, the months went on, he very quickly rose up boards, especially as some of the other prospects, Peyton Watson, Jaden Hardy, uh, Caleb Houston, Yannick Sosa, <laughs> Uh, all kind of <laughs> faltered out of the gates. And mm-hmm. he currently is ranked four on ESPN, four at the athletic, four on Tankathon, four on Bleacher Report, four on the ringer, four at no ceilings, three at basketball news, and two at Sports Illustrated. Average stock price 3.6, ranked four in the May draft deck update. So What's interesting is you mentioned, is he rising? Is he falling? It actually seems like he's been at four for a while. He has been the the, the consensus number four guy. Shaden Sharp uh, maybe, you know, altered things a little bit in the conversation for a second there. But Jaden Ivey's stock has kind of held strong at four as of late. Uh, so what do you think? Is it too high? Is it too low? Is it just right? Where, where are you at right now with Jaden Ivey? Um, I think it's fine. 
Um, <laughs> I think it's just right. I think it's just yeah. right because well, I, I'm excited to talk um, about him in more detail. But Ivy is a guy who it's weird. And, and I brought it up before this whole stock thing because I feel like right now as more casual uh, draft followers or everyone's getting more into the draft. The focus is obviously going to be on Jabari and Paolo and Chet and and fairly so. But the interesting thing is as those guys are gaining more attention, uh, it feels like Ivy is kind of getting lost in the weeds. And Ivy is a guy who I think deserves to be in that conversation. Now I'm I'm not saying that he's the second best player in this draft or anything like that. I think um we we know of people who love Ivy and who I think I have him in that in that range. Like Shasta Hawks draft, right? To yeah. Simon. Simon you know, to be honest, to be fair, Simon's the one who put me on, put us on, I feel like Oh, he's way early on. Yeah, on Ivy. super early on Ivy. And to his credit, like he was right. Like Ivy turned out to be a really, really good college player and had a phenomenal sophomore season. So for me, when it comes to Ivy, I, I just I, I think this episode is going to be good for us to kind of break down how we really feel about him and kind of give him hopefully the credit that he deserves. But at the same time, also be critical and objective mm. about the areas where we think he can improve as well. I've I've been really perplexed by Ivy because there are times where I've had him at number two on my board right now. I believe I have him at four on my board um but he's not four in the order of like the consensus grouping like you know i don't have the chet jabari palo one two three and we're gonna do a big board episode later in the week so i'll get into like you know where i have guys uh ranked but he's at four i don't feel good about it but i don't feel bad about it i i'm a little confused by him because I could easily see him exploding when he gets to the league. Maybe not right away. Cause I think that shooting guards have uh, a little bit of time adjusting. You saw it with Jalen green this year. You saw it with Anthony Edwards the year before these explosive buckety guys, they take a little bit of time to kind of figure out their game. I don't think he's going to be much different. You know, I, I think that, and we'll talk about comps later, but obviously like the John Morant stuff, like Ja came in and kind of, read the game really quickly right away and was able to leverage that crazy athleticism that Ivy shares and and become this like really positive playmaker right away. Whereas I don't think Ivy has the same playmaking chops that Ja has the same natural ones. And we'll talk about the playmaking. I do think he has it, but I don't know if he has the same playmaking chops, but I just don't know what to do with him because he's the guy in the guy that could make you really pay if you pass on him. But at the same time, uh, he you know there i think there are a number of number of guys that could also surpass him down the line because i think with him one of the things i i I really believe is that context is going to be very important for him team structure what he's allowed to do early on versus you know some of the spots if he were to jump up into that top three i don't necessarily feel comfortable with many any of those spots for him as the ideal situation for him to grow. And not to say that if he doesn't go to the ideal situation, he's going to be a a bad player. I don't believe that. I just don't know if he is going to actualize his potential if he goes to the the wrong spot. So before we talk it out, I'm going to ask you this question. Sure. And I have, I I looked at it. I thought about it and I don't have an answer. Oh, if you had $10 to invest in Jaden Ivy, Johnny Davis and Shaden Sharp, how are you spending your ten dollars? 
It's a tough one. I'm ready. Okay. Hit me. I'm going to give $3 to Jaden Ivey, $3 to Johnny Davis, $3 to Shaden Sharp, and give a dollar to charity. <laughs> hey, but Corey, isn't that the right answer? Like, I feel like it all part, three of these guys are kind of neck and neck. Yeah, he partly, uh, he partly, it feels, it feels right. I'm going <laughs> to, they are neck and neck. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to give, and it sucks. Cause I, I can't wait to do the episode on Sharp, but and a lot of my my final shade and sharp opinions are going to be based on intel right that i get but right now i'm going to do 4 to sharp oh wow 3 to ivy 3 to johnny davis well Corey, you're you're clearly tipping your hand as to what your new big board's going to look like so a little bit a little, yeah, a little bit, bit. a little, a little bit. bit. I, I like it. I like it. But Corey, I want to ask you something before we get into like the nitty gritty of Jaden Ivy. There's something that you brought up that I thought was really, really good and important. Okay. You mentioned context, right? And you said you think Ivy's ultimate outcome is going to be it, it. A lot of that is going to be based on where he ends up, right? Or, or you think it's going to have a strong influence on ha- yeah, how he ends which- up as a player? A lot of prospects are like that. Correct. Correct. So my question to you is, and it's not even like a counter, but I want to get your thoughts on this because when I look at his context at Purdue, I hated it. I absolutely hated it. And and Corey, when you tell me we're covering a prospect, I, I go back and I watch these full games and the way that he was, yeah. And the way that he was utilized at times, it was like, what the F? Like it actually made me so angry. Like I was watching one of the games obviously had to watch the game against Iowa, right? You, you, you want to see him in the same, on the same court with Keegan Murray and whatever. Right. I'm watching, and it's like three possessions in a row. The play calling is have Jaden Ivey sit in the corner and run a bunch of screens on the other side, right? A bunch of motion, and then eventually get the ball to Edie, and then he'll fucking throw up like some boy. hamburger at the rim, right? And I'm like, okay, cool. So they do three possessions of that. Then – off a, off a miss, Ivy goes down. And he's like sick of it. I think he looks like, "Hey, I'm tired of just sitting in the corner." <laughs> goes and rips a rebound, comes down the court, and he calls Eddie out. Says, "Hey, come come up here. Get the hell over here." Runs a high pick and roll. He goes 900 miles per hour at the rim. Gets a bucket. Mm. Finally, after four possessions, he's getting a bucket. He's getting a shot at the rim. Next possession, they get the ball back, and the coach goes. That was nice, but let's go back to the the, the three position <laughs> possessions where nothing happened. And I'm like, yeah. how are we supposed to fully evaluate Ivy as a prospect when they're running that type of nonsense? So hmm. my question to you, Corey, is I feel like the context point that you brought up was awesome. I want to ask you how you feel Ivy was utilized in his context and don't you like do you agree with kind of my premise where i think it's really hard to evaluate him because of that absolutely absolutely you wish that he was playing five you know five out or one four and getting a ton of pick and roll reps every time down is this like primary initiator to where you could really 
make sense of what he's going to look like at the next level with the ball in his hands, what he's like as a decision maker, having that extra year of development in that role. So absolutely at times, but I do think that the context that he played under this year is also going to be helpful for him in the NBA, because I think that there are some people who are going to be like, he isn't this player that you could just fit anywhere because he's not going to be able to play off ball. And I think that he showed that he could absolutely contribute off ball this year, whether it was catch and shoot, whether it was coming up off handoffs and yeah, the, the, the context that I did like is like, I love, I mean, you know, I, I've mentioned it a few times. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about him at some point more in depth, but like, I love Trevion Williams. Like I love Trevion Williams. I Trevion Williams is my, is one of my guys. He, I think he played great in the combine showed okay. a little bit more of his bag, but like you could do NBA stuff with Trevion, like all of the DHO, you can, Trevion can make those bam reads to, you know, backdoor cuts, all oh, yeah. of that, you know? So I do like where, you know, some of the stuff like you're talking about where like Jaden's in the corner or whatever, I do like the stuff where he starts off ball, you get it to the elbow, whether it's like a horn set or whatever. And yeah. he's coming off with momentum off a handoff where he can right. kind of run a, a pick and roll, pick and pop like that, getting downhill and then able to survey the floor. That kind of stuff I think is helpful and you can actually get some something out of that sure. contextually. It's not perfect for sure, but you know, he he did have he did play next to some solid shooters it definitely you know they obviously they ran so much through the post so there yeah. was a, an element of like that traditional college basketball play they for did. sure right mm-hmm. um and again like a guy like trevion like i think he could be a hub so like i didn't hate i don't hate it nearly as much yeah. as when he's doing it because i think yeah. he's such a strong playmaker that it, it makes sense to to do that a lot of the times but yeah. Again, like if you if you were able to see him play on a team that you were just he had the ball in his hands a million times and he was just running pick and roll, or then yeah, that would have been ideal uh, for an NBA projection. But I do think mm. that you could take something out of okay. the way he played in college. No, that's fair. I and and I should have I should have mentioned that too. Like I definitely like the stuff that uh, they ran with Trevion because Trevion is a guy who has great vision at that size, like really, really great vision. And he, I, I thought him finishing at the rim was way prettier and better than anything I saw from Edie. Like I, I, <laughs> I got so tired of watching Edie and him just like lumbering around and him being like the focal point of their offense. I'm like, this is so antiquated and ugly and I get it. Like even yeah. if you, when you watch the games, like you hear the telecast, like I, I heard so much of Bill Raftery and he's just like, he's seven, four, you know, you throw him the ball and he figures <laughs> it out. I'm like, all right, cool. I get that. And Corey, like you said, in college, it makes sense. It's just yeah. for me, like, I just know that. So, okay. I really like the point that you made though, because, because he played so much off ball, it kind of, he's able to show that versatility. He was able to show that versatility to NBA teams. Like, Hey, I don't just the whole heliocentric thing. I don't need the ball in my hands all the time. I agree with that, but it's just, dude, there would be long stretches where they wouldn't even look at him. And I'm like, guys, what what are we doing here? He's the best player on your team. But I I think the point that you made Corey about big picture macro, like he probably benefited from that. I, I can agree with that for sure. But I mean, it definitely got him in trouble. No, not him, but like the team in trouble, not oh, yeah. you know, running the offense for ED a lot. Like I, I saw Ivy in person against Rutgers this year. Like I was behind the bench and one Edie is an alien. Uh, you know, yeah. I've, I, I've stood next to 
some weird looking guys before in comparison to normal human beings. Um, Bull Bull was incredibly strange to stand mm. near. It was, yeah. again, it was that same kind of alien because he's just right. so long and thin. Edie is like, that dude is legitimately that tall. Like he looks like mm. he should be a WWE wrestler and like he looks like he should be Kane or something. Like take the the, the successor to, to the Kane gimmick because he's mm. just, he's ridiculously, he's just huge. And he is kind of like agile, you know, he's got like a couple of moves. But unlike Trevion, like he doesn't really read the game that well. He's just like so big that he could dominate with his size at times. And that would get them in trouble and it, there would be a lot of ball watching and whatnot. But, uh, you know, when I saw Ivy in person, I, I was really excited because I wanted to see like what the athleticism looked like up close. I remember seeing Derek Rose in person for the first time or Vince Carter mm. with the, the New Jersey Nets. And like, there's a, a uniqueness uh, to some of these guys where even yeah. at the NBA level, you're like, what the fuck is mm-hmm. that guy? Like, how are we the same type of like, how are we both human beings? Like how that they're the evolutionary version of the human being. Right. I'm not the same. Like it's insane. Right. And Ivy had moments like that, but they were like these flashes because it seems like he hasn't actualized it yet. And I think part of it is the messed up spacing that they played with. But there were times where, you know, he's on a breakaway and he's down the court three quarter, you know, sprint with the ball in his hands doing a a windmill dunk where you're like, whoa, whoa, yeah, that's impressive. That's really impressive. Um, But yeah, there were a lot of times where he just he's uninvolved and not through the fault of his own. And Mm -hmm. that's that's it's more a little more than annoying. (laughs) Um, Corey, really quickly, I promise. I know we went on a whole tangent really quickly. I saw both. I saw Bull Bull in person at a Hot Wings cafe on Melrose in LA, and he was wearing the ugliest red leather jacket I've ever seen in my life. And it was like bejeweled, and it was this gigantic black spider is what it was supposed to be. And it was maybe the ugliest jacket I've ever seen in my life. So wanted to throw that in there. That's um, just Bull Bull. That's for the that's for the, the listeners and the viewers. When I saw him live, he was he was actually like unbelievably impressive. Like I can't oh, yeah. believe somebody who moves like this actually has those kind of basketball skills. And I was like way out on him in the draft because I was like, this dude just never tries ever, <laughs> unless he has the ball in his hands. And I guess I guess it's the same thing now. I don't know. He's looked good in the NBA when he gets minutes, but he can't find minutes. So if you're mm-hmm. that talented, there's got to be something. Let's talk about his shooting. Okay. So he finished at 36, 35.8, 36%. He was over 40 for a decent part of the year. So he, yeah. he cooled off at the end. What do you think about him as a, sh- as a shooter? How is he going to translate? Do you think it's going to take time? Give me, the, give me your feelings. So what I wrote in my notes is I don't think he's Dennis Smith, Dennis Smith Jr. is okay. the first thing that I wrote. And, and, and I think that's a good place to start. And, and please, guys, Meaning don't like take... Meaning athlete, like athletic freak... Who got yeah, no, him. I mean, yeah, exactly. Like athletic freak who just could never figure out the shooting and is now just floating around. And I know, I mean, to his credit, he had some nice moments this year for the for the Blazers, but um, don't think that's going to have legs in terms of him having a very successful NBA career. But with Ivy, the thing is, there's some nice moments, man. Like, mm. and, and you can see the growth from freshman year to sophomore year. So, okay, 
the overarching theme that I want to present with Ivy is that he improved a lot from year one to year two. Mm. And I think that's a re- that's really important to emphasize because yeah. I'm saying that he improved, but I'm not saying that he's a finished product as a shooter. He showed great leaps and bounds in his second year. Um, there was some stuff he's doing off the dribble, couple like, you know, like tween, tween, pull back, th- you know, step back threes. And I was like, dude, that's really good because you may have to do some of that in the NBA. That's a translatable shot that you just hit right there. Um, but at the same time, uh, when he was contested, sometimes you would get some really uh, wonky looking air balls and long misses and things like that. So he's not a finished product as a shooter. But the thing that I like about Ivy is that he's clearly improved, whether it was off the catch or off the dribble. You could tell that he was a much improved shooter. And I think it also showed in his confidence. I thought yes. he took a lot of shots that maybe he wouldn't have his freshman year. And he was like, in his mind, I think he was thinking like, oh, I, I can hit that shot. And for me as an NBA player, Corey, I feel like if you, you if we're going to project Ivy as a guy who's going to have the ball in his hands a lot on whatever lottery team he ends up on, he's got to be willing to shoot. And, and the fact that he's in that mentality where he believes he can shoot, and then ultimately the results, him shooting 35 36% from three, Corey, in my opinion, if he gets to the NBA level and he can show off more of his full package and shoot 35 to 37 maybe 38% from three, that is plenty good for me. Especially no if he if he shoots that on decent volume, I'm I, sign me up tomorrow or sorry yesterday. You know what I'm saying? So um, with Ivy, I think my my overall theme is great improvement from year one and two, not just in terms of the shots and, and shot and the mechanics, but in the confidence was the biggest thing for me. He looks comfortable taking the shots, and that's as you said, it's important. And and like if he's at 35 percent as a three point shooter on decent volume, you have to play up on him. Oh yeah. Right. And you can't let him shoot. He's going to be enough of a threat that you have to play up on him. And I, I think he has the capability to be better than 35%. But, you know, like LaMelo Ball, like LaMelo, he shoots it at such volume that, and now, you know, he's turned himself into a, a decent enough shooter. Like, you know, you got to guard it. You, you can't sometimes, I mean, you can let him chuck when he's really out there doing some stuff that you're just like, all right, maybe, maybe we didn't need that one. But, <laughs> And I think Ivy's shot selection is a little bit better, but it's good enough that he's a threat to do all the other Lamelo things that he does and getting into the paint and making plays and all that. And I think the same with Ivy. I think some of the things that stood out is like, I actually, I think he has like, he shoots a soft ball. Like, I think there's good touch on the shots. Like, you know, I know he might not always like, as you said, like sometimes he would back rim and, you know, whatever, but like there's good arc. It's soft. It's not like a EJ Liddell line drive, you know, it's right, like it, right. it comes out of his hands. Nice arc. And I think he's got good touch. He shot it in a variety of ways, which I liked, you know, he was able to shoot it off the catch. He even ran off, you know, some, like floppy actions and yes. like pin downs and like was shooting it off movement and he can get into his shot quick. He's got a quick release. Um, and then he can shoot it off the bounce. And whether that's, you know, coming off a screen, if somebody's going under or whether he's an ISO and he's like, doing a little step back like i he shoots it in a variety of ways so 36 percent finishing the year and obviously like if he's at 40 percent early in the year he ends up at 36 he's probably somewhere th- what 32 33 something like that towards the end of the year so obviously it's not ideal but like he's shooting a lot of hard shots and that means that you know the percentages are going to be skewed a little bit whether if he was just shooting wide open shots that he was getting off you know kickouts 
he's a decent enough shooter. He can knock that down with regularity. And I think that he was able to hit these shots off the catch. My, my big problem with his shot, because yeah, there are little things that he could, you know, sometimes he snake bites the shot, meaning like he'll flip the wrist and like pull it back really quick. Uh, when he holds his follow through, I, I think you almost yes. know right away whether he's going to make or miss. Like on a lot of his makes, he's, he's going through his whole motion, holding right. his, his follow through. But that's like rep stuff. The one issue with me is like his base. It's very narrow. You know, like, yeah, and, and I think it's hard to be balanced all the time. It almost feels like his knees like bend in slightly. It's not like anything crazy, but there's like a slight where he like has like hourglass legs a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But it almost feels like like if his shooting base and AJ Griffin's shooting base had a baby, <laughs> you'd have the ideal shooting base. <laughs> you know, just like the perfect. And I remember I was at a camp at Villanova. I don't remember if it was Steve Lapis or or if Jay Wright had taken over yet. And Ray Allen's shooting coach came and uh, I was locked in, you know, I'm a high school, middle school, high school. Like I was, that was my shooting is my thing. So I'm locked in right now. And I watched this old dude, left-handed, right-handed hit every single shot he took in the gym. He was shooting wow. left-handed half court shots. Like this dude was legit. And the thing that always stood out to me is he would talk so much about balance like that. He was, he really emphasized it. And he always said like, if you've ever been in a fight, like if you watch a boxing match, look at the footwork, see how balanced they are, you know, feet, shoulder width, slight bend so that when you're dodging a punch, you know, you're not going to tip over. Or if you get hit, you know, you can absorb it in a way that you might not be able to, if you're, if you're too narrow, if you're caught out of position and he, he talked about shooting much in the same way. Whereas like, if you have that strong solid base and you're balanced, it's much easier to go through everything else and not be like pushed off your spot, taken out of rhythm. And it's something that always stuck so much with me. So I don't really love his base as a shooter. I, and I don't think it's something egregious that he's going to have, if he doesn't fix it, he's not going to be able to hit shots in the NBA. Cause I think that he did a good job shooting NBA distance shots this year improving that he can knock those down and as we said he just has to be a good enough shooter that he can leverage his his shot to get to the hoop but with that said i do think if he wants to be like a superstar level player it's something that he does need to work on a little bit i would like to see him him mix that base up a little bit yeah, dude, that that's totally, totally fair. And you know what, Corey, it's really interesting that you bring up the whole base balance thing, because as you were talking, I was reminded of one of the episodes that we recorded last year when we were talking about uh, the draft class from last year. Do you remember the episode we recorded in Corey Kispert? That was yeah. <clears throat> that episode. We talked a lot about his balance and how yeah. off movement, coming off screens, running full speed, coming to a stop. The reason why we were so high on Kispert as a shooter was because, and it wasn't really only because of how it looked, but how no matter what he was coming off of, it looked like he was always getting his feet set. And it yeah. always looked balanced. And it always looked like he was in he was in a good position to hit a shot. And so I, I think everything that you said kind of reminded me of that conversation we had last year. And I, I think you're right. And the, But the funny thing is, Corey, 
I think if Ivy, considering the role that we're expecting him to play and, and the and the tools and the gifts that he has, if he can figure out this base and the balance that you're talking about, we are talking about an absolutely terrifying player. Under um, a guy who were a, I I don't quote me on this, guys. All, all you aggregators out there, screw you. But if he can get that going and be that type of a shooter, are we talking about a potential all NBA guy? I, I don't see why not, you know, yeah. because he has that type of athleticism, that kind of explosion. We haven't even talked about the rest of his game yet. But anyway, no. um, I, I'm with you, man. And it feels like and the snake biting thing is I, I, I really wanted to bring that up, too, because I noticed that, too. And Corey, I was going to ask you. This is me, obviously, as an amateur wanting to ask you, um, is it more because I thought it happened more off of like really hard contests. Does mm-hmm. that generally happen because of yeah. a hard contest or? OK, all right. 100% because okay. you're trying to get the ball out. Right. Before right. the contest gets up towards your your view. Right. You're trying. It's okay. like when you're really trying to uh, like, especially if he's coming off movement or something and somebody's chasing and he's trying to get it out quick for a yeah. quick look. That's typically when you see like those snake bite happens and and like when you watch steph do it it's like he's so otherworldly that it almost Mm -hmm. doesn't matter because he's still able to go through all of his progressions so quickly even like clay the same thing but they're like even their snake bites where they're getting it out so quick like they're still holding it like slightly so it's like this weird phenomenon that's hard to explain where like Mm. ivy you know he's not there and nobody is those are two of the greatest shooters ever but Mm -hmm. It happens, yeah, when somebody's playing up on you, you know, sometimes when he's uh, shooting in ISO situations, when he's, you know, hitting those step backs, that's when he's kind of like, if he doesn't create as much space as he'd like, that's when he's trying to get the ball out quick. And that's when those snake bite situations arise. Got it. Okay. Yeah. No, I mean, you being the shot doctor wanted to ask you because. Yeah, I, I figured that's what it was, but I wasn't sure. I, mean, I was like also wondering if it was like a habitual thing or whatever. But yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and and look, that's something that the speed of the NBA game, he's going to have to deal with and he's going to have to work on. Now, the other aspect is, is that there's going to be more space. There's more ground to cover. So he also might have more opportunities where he can go through his full motion, especially if he's, you know, if he is shooting off ball and off movement and some of the actions that he ran at Purdue to, to get him into spots. Now, the other thing I want to talk about with the shooting, I want to talk about the mid-range game. This has been uh, uh, something that has been up for debate for the draft community. It's something that's really interested the draft community in in figuring out how to kind of project him going forward. So the mid-range, I left... Very optimistic, but it's we're definitely early. It's going to take time mm-hmm. because to me, the biggest thing that that stuck out is that he gets caught in this area and he doesn't know if he's going to shoot a mid-range shot mm. or if he's going to shoot a floater. Right. So he gets stuck kind of, it's a decision-making issue more than a, uh, a mechanical thing for him. It's like he's coming off, he's at the free throw line. Like, is he going to do that little two foot push floater or is he going to go into his midi? He's uh, so it, that's kind of my big issue because I think that he showed some flashes of like coming off the screen and pulling up. And even on sh- when he missed it, like it looked good. Uh, 
and a lot you know even some of the shots that were like off balance whereas like he's doing like the reggie like like it looked good like i can project that going forward coming left like he's uh, i think he looked good like just and most a lot of shooters like actually prefer you know pulling up going left because it's easier to go into that motion i think it looked good he's hitting you know shooting step backs it, it looks all right it looks projectable as it looked you know for his distance shooting but it's decision making for me because sometimes when he doesn't know what to do it looks just awful because he's stuck and you don't want to be stuck in between you got to be decisive in your movements you got to know exactly what you're going to do and he's not there yet so like i'm optimistic like down the line for him as a three level scorer but right now i don't feel good about him early on having the mid-range as part of his bag if that if that makes sense no, dude, I 100% agree. I, I think what you said is spot on in terms of it's early. Um, and I think it's early because, Corey, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like he struggles the most when there's a hand in his face. Um, and, yeah. and that should be the case for most That's people. Unless you, yeah, unless your name is like Cam Thomas or whatever. But <laughs> Bobby um, Portis. I, I, right, right. But the thing with him is like, I, I really like what you said because he's clearly not Dyson Daniels. Dyson Daniels, uh, just he's completely aborted the mid-range shot. And he's like, you know what? I'm just going to throw floaters uh, yeah, all over the place. It's a good decision because his, yeah. his float <laughs> game is really unbelievable. Good. It's really good. But I, I'm with you. I, I think it is kind of him being in between those two options. But clearly, like you can tell it's still early because when he when a defender really gets up on him and crowds his space, that mid-range shot is a little rough. And Corey, you being the Rutgers guy, I, I've been waiting to bring this up to you because I keep freaking forgetting to ask you. This guy, number 22 on Rutgers. What's his deal? I like this guy a lot. Um, <laughs> he can't score for for his life, but I really like him as a defender. Um, I was watching I was watching Keegan film the other day, and some I, I was watching a bunch of different guys. And every time I'd see some Rutgers game, this guy 22 on Rutgers is a problem defensively. He's tough as nails with a good NBA. He's like got a nice nba frame and he would like cause problems for these guys but um there's this rutgers game <laughs> where yeah, yeah 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 uh am i crazy is is he not that good of a defender but i'm just gassing him up but i don't know <laughs> but Bale, rutgers was an it was a really good yeah. defensive team especially mm-hmm. at home like at that mm-hmm. place was always rocking like geo baker's like in guys grills you know even like paul mckay like that mm-hmm. dude he he's just a really smart guy makes great rotations like they had their bigs like were pretty athletic and like could do Mm -hmm. some stuff and they just played hard like they they were a tough team to play against and they were they were smart they had a lot of good game plans i saw them game plan for uh for keegan murray and and force him into a really tough night so yeah for sure they 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 were tough they were tough so okay so i wasn't off base on that but anyway that 22 guy he can play defense. I, I really enjoyed it. But anyway, watching the Rutgers game, uh, Ivy, when he played the Rutgers, he really struggled against that guy and, and a bunch of their defenders where they were really on him and they were getting in the stands and staying in front of him. And even on drives, they, they were using their physical, you know, they're, they're, they're bigger than him and they're staying in front of him, using their chest, staying in front of him. A lot of the Davion stuff. And when they would be in his space, he really struggled. And he threw up some UFOs and it wasn't the best. So, Corey, I I think what you said is spot on. It's very early in the game for him. But 
But I, I don't think you or I are saying he's a bad mid-range shooter. I think there's a lot there to like. And I think over time with more – because the biggest thing for me, Corey, is the reps. I just think yeah. he needs more reps. And I think whether that's off the court, whether that's in practice or where, wherever, I think he's just got to do more of that and add that to his game. But that doesn't mean it's not going to happen. So I, I, I'm with you. I like it. Yeah. And, and again, like he's uh, so athletic that he's going to be able to make do without it. And the shot from distance is going to be effective enough, I think, that like he, he can allow it to take time as he develops as a, a, a full package player and still bring early value. Because, I mean, that athleticism, like who in the class is in his league? Right. You know, as a leaper, sharp. Um, J.D. Davison, maybe, but. You know, J.D. Davison is getting mocked in the second round <laughs> consistently, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so who else is in his league, you know? Like, there's not really anybody full package speed, hops, strength, like that combo, that athleticism. And, you know, that kind of leads you to, like, projecting him. You know, we talk about the mid-range, and part of how you project him now is you think about, like, what's he going to look like in pick and rolls as that ball handler, right? Because with NBA spacing he's going to be able to get to the rim, you know? And, and yeah, he's going to have to have counters to when, you know, he's got a big and drop waiting for him and he's going to have to make them pay with a floater or a mid range game. But like, there's gonna be a lot of times that he's just too quick, even for the bigs right. to, get, to get out and recover to him. So, right. Uh, I mean, where, what do you think of him as an athlete? Like, is he in that God level tier or is it just this class that he stands out to you? sorry give me one second i don't know what's going sure. on with my audio um because uh, he was really impressive in person uh, you know in, in person he i mean being 10 feet away from him he was able to go zero to 60 in two seconds i don't think that i mean it's hard to put him in that john ja moran category yeah but but obviously like the, the athleticism that he shares with Ja and, you know, we saw the cut up of that video of, of them both being like just athletic outliers and you see how like impactful Ja's athleticism and how quickly it translated. Like it makes you kind of intrigued that he's got this outlier gift. And we talked about outliers, you know, last draft cycle in yeah. a different way. You know, we mentioned like Alper and Shen was an outlier because here was this kind of like mix of yeah. like traditional and he was like a neo-traditional guy. Cause he did so much of the new stuff, but he had all the old stuff. So it was different, but like, I think he does have outlier athleticism. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. Um, I think, I think the biggest thing that I realize is that, I mean, the speed you mentioned, the speed verticality, that stuff is awesome. I wonder, Corey, if no, I, I think I'm right in saying this. I think after 15 more pounds, he'll be even more crazy. Mm. Yeah. Like there were times where, and, and to his credit, actually, this is a perfect segue because I wanted to ask you about this because you, yeah. 
What did you think about his driving? Because I, I want to connect all this because I feel like the speed and the athleticism is crazy. He can get to the rim. You mentioned like when, when he goes against drop coverage, I think there can be a lot of times he's going to get through that pick and roll and the big just won't be set. And he's just going to walk right past him and just yeah. absolutely embarrass him. So I, I'm with you on the speed and all that stuff. I think there were times when he'd go to the rim where I felt like he took contact well like really well actually i thought he bounced off stuff really well but then there were also times where he would kind of get like pushed off a little bit you know mm-hmm. uh with with the stronger guys so wanted to ask you about that because i felt like there were times where I, i'd watch him attack the rim and think to myself like hey another 5 10 15 pounds might really really help you here and then one extra thing that i wanted to add was i also felt like ball security with him going to the rim sometimes wasn't great yeah. Um, he'd get stripped a little bit. It would bounce off his knee. And I'm just like, oh, like that could have been a poster like two seconds later if you just protect the ball a little bit better. But I just wanted to ask you those two things because I think they all kind of correlate. Yeah. So like with the ball security thing, I think as the year progressed, he did a really good job understanding that he could play at multiple speeds and he didn't just have to be fast. And I think that kind of helps with turnovers when you realize like, okay, I'm wicked fast. Yeah. But also, I don't have to use it all the time. I could go slow and lull people to sleep and then put the jets on and I'm out. And now I got you kind of standing up a little bit. You know, that start stop. It's something that we liked with Davion last year where it was just like he would go upright, hit you with a hezzy, and then just boom, explode. And he's out. And I think Jaden Ivey did a, a, a good job of that as the year went on. He was able he would like snake screens and be patient and then get to the rim the other part about him as an athlete like he's a little like herky jerky mm, yeah yeah you know like when i you know we talk about ryan rollins uh eventually soon we'll we're, we'll talk about jalen williams who you know we've been high on for, for a long time at no ceilings and like those dudes are like smooth like they're you know i'm, I'm writing uh about Ryan Rollins again for the second time because I interviewed him and uh, the title of the article I think is going to be like Ryan Rollins is jazz because he's that smooth like whereas like I think that like Jaden Ivey could be like I don't know like uh, maybe like metal or like Mm -hmm. like where it's just like he could be he's got this explosion in him that's just like in your face and, uh, you know, there are parts where, like, you know, there's just, like, a riff and a breakdown. It's a little slow. And then, you know, the drums will come in and, stuff, and it gets, like, real loud. And, like, he could be a little bit of that. But it's, like, herky-jerky. And it's, like, hard to guard because you're, like, is this dude going left? Is he going right? Like, it's almost like a like a, a running back some at, at times. So it he doesn't have that, like, crazy, slick, smooth, like, Dr. J, like, type athleticism but it's this like rim roaring rip your face off like how are you going to stay in front of me when i don't even feel like i know what direction i'm going like chaos athleticism but like controlled chaos and there were times as you said like where he would lose control of the chaos but there were also i think he learned i think he learned to hone it a lot towards the end of the year so uh, his athleticism is interesting and it's definitely going to be a weapon because there's not going to be a lot of guys that could stay in front of him. And whether that's an ISO or whether it's coming off the screen, it's, it's going to be a problem. And then, you know, teams are going to, uh, are going to 
go under on screens. They'll they'll try to meet him at the rim, and then that's when he's going to have to prove he's a shooter. And you know, teams will play him and drop, or they'll try to ice him, and they're they're going right. to turn him into a a, a playmaker. And uh, I don't think he got to f- show his full playmaking bag. He was really effective as a pick and roll ball handler this year. And as you mentioned at the the top of the show, like we just didn't get the opportunity to see a lot of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and and to piggyback off of that even when he would create for his teammates a lot of times they would just absolutely muck it up i mean <laughs> other than other than that that dude uh stefanovic i felt like everyone yeah. else around him would just would absolutely massacre some of his beautiful passes and then dude the other the, the other white dude like the yeah. other white guard uh-huh dude, seeing him in him. person there were times where he was like this is my team <laughs> he would take shots in big moments, and I forget—I don't know his name, so my bad. But I'd be like, "Yo, what, what are we doing?" Like, yeah. if, if I was coaching, I would like you would visibly see me take a clipboard and yeah. break it over Smash my him. knee. Like, I would be livid. And there were times where, just like in the worst moments, he would just be like, "I'm a shooter. I'm getting a shot." Yeah, but that's an aside. Sorry, sorry no, the, I- the sidebar. I know. I'm with you. I, I hated that guy. And Stefanovic, though, he... he Not as a person, as a, as a player. No, yeah, Stefanovic, yeah. Is, that dude was a sniper. Yeah, that dude was a real sniper for them. And then, you know, so anyway, overall, like, I, I just... Ugh, yeah, it was a little frustrating to watch Purdue play and just considering, you know, that they had Travion and they had Ivy and it felt like it could have been more. And like more, Edie but... and Travion, neither of them are lob threats. Like neither of them have that rim gravity that you want to like, where you're like, fuck, I can't stay in front of Jaden right. Ivy and I have to back up and worry about recovering to my big who's going to throw it down. Like if Ivy had, and again, like I love Travion, but like uh-huh. that's not his game. If Ivy had like Mark Williams, right? Mm-hmm. And you could like, that would be really hard to guard. Yeah. If as, as a pick and roll partner, somebody who finished everything near the rim and you could just throw it up and let him go get it. And like, for sure, I envision that possibly at the next level and then we'll talk about some of the fits but like there are a couple of spots where he might have that and yeah. he might have some shooting and it's like wow like how are you gonna what are you what's your move like how do you For play sure. it? you're just gonna hope he misses shots yeah no a hundred percent a hundred but like there's a lot to like there and then you know i obviously we're gonna get to the defensive part of it probably yeah. now right um yeah. After one I, one more piece of conversation, and also oh. before we do, before we do, shout out to the chat, everybody who is here on the YouTube channel, No Ceilings TV, watching live. Um, you know, we got some questions about some other guys, thoughts on Paulo. Uh, we're gonna do a whole episode on Paulo. Don't worry. Do you think Caleb Houston's still a first round pick? Max Christie, uh, higher on Max Christie than Caleb. Caleb might Same. go first round. He might have a might have a promise. Wow. I don't know. We we touched on Caleb. I'm not a, a huge Caleb guy. I haven't really been mm-hmm. since the beginning of the year. I think he should go back to college. But before we move on to the defense, do you think he's a primary at the next level? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And um, my thing with him is I, I like the handle. I like the playmaking. I think, you know, if you look at his counting stats, give me a second. He was at what, um, bu- 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 what, 3.1 assists per game? Am I right in that one? Right. Yeah. Um. I felt like it could have been at six or seven if mm. his his friends uh, hit some shots for him. Um. Every game they would just absolutely freaking massacre some of his great passes. So anyway, um. I, I think he can be. I really think he can be because he, like you said, Corey, early in in this episode, you said he also showed the off ball stuff. So he could easily be a guy who can play on ball for a big 
chunk of the game, but also play off ball. And he's going to just get better at that. So I have no problem with him being like a lead guard. And I could even see him working like, okay, this in this situation, he wouldn't be the lead guard. He'd be the secondary. But like, why can't he work with Cade? I like that situation a lot too, you know, where Cade yeah. would handle a lot of the, the playmaking. And then Ivy can support him and take some of that burden off of Cade's shoulders. But then also I could see him going to a bad team and just kind of leading the team and carrying the burden. So, yeah, I, I could definitely see that. I like it. I like the fit with Cade. And let's, I mean, since we're, we've, I feel like so much of his fit is about how he fits in offensively. I guess let's talk about like, where does he get his best ROI? Or if you're a team, like who cashes in and gets the most out of him? Mm-hmm. Because it's tricky because he's projected to go four, yeah. right? And like every mock, every this, right? But out of the top four teams, like there's not a clean fit for like, how you want to see him play with the ball in your hands, in my opinion, like Orlando, they are loaded with guards. I think he would definitely be the highest prospect that they have, like the highest rated guard prospect that they have. Mm-hmm. Um, so he could take that over, but like, you know, they have Fultz, they have Cole Anthony, yeah. they have Suggs, RJ. they have RJ Hampton. Like that's loaded. Like that's not ideal for him to develop and get reps while you're also trying to get some of those other guy reps. So I would want to, move some of those other guys for him and that that's what you should probably do if that's the direction okay see we've talked about how worried we were sga and giddy like both of those guys like you know i know that like i don't think giddy is ready to be put in like a a big time off ball role like i think he can get just enough off ball reps playing next to trey man and, right. and sga currently that if you're adding in another guy it's just like no, like that's, I don't want mm-hmm. that for Ivy. I'm not saying it right. won't work. I just don't want that for him. Houston with Jalen Green, eh, maybe. I mean, that, that's the one I like. I I I don't hate it, but it's not perfect because I think that Jalen Green is going to take even more on ball reps mm-hmm. uh, as he as he grows in his career. And I think Ivy, ideally, you want the same thing. I don't think like they're like if they were both like a little taller. If they were both these like small forward power forward type wings like six eight six nine instead of like these young guards i would feel better about that but like i don't know what was the last like ball dominant backcourt that you really saw working and then it brings into like all right well like are they capable of both defending consistently in the backcourt spots and like those are questions i'm not sure i answer yet so i don't hate it uh because like you know i love josh christopher but you can move off him I think they should move off Kevin Porter Jr. Yep. You know, uh, but I don't love it. Sacramento, you know, we talked about the fact that he can play off ball a little bit, like, but they just did this song and dance. They just went through it with a guy who was a better fit because he was a sniper for three, where Ivy's going to be okay from three. Yep. I mean, they yep. would be unbelievably hard to to stop in transition. I mean, Davion, Darren Fox, and Jaden Ivy on the floor at the same time might be the three fastest combined backcourt players ever on a a basketball court together. But I don't love that. It doesn't, it's not until we get to Detroit or Indiana where I, my interest really starts getting peaked and that they're, they're at five and six. And like, there is a scenario I could see Ivy falling to five for sure. Six, not so much. I don't think he gets out of the top five, but like Indiana is the spot where I would be like, yes, like move off of Brogdon. You could put him next to Halliburton. Both of those guys could play on or off the ball together. They fit. 
And then you have like lob threats like Isaiah Jackson to run with shooters like Duarte. Like that is where somehow I wish they can move up a little bit because I think he'd be really dynamic there. And then whatever they they eventually get for Turner, who I'm sure they'll move off of at some point. Like that would that would be my dream spot for him. Right, right. But Corey, you know what? He might be there because with the way things are going, it's possible. I mean, we might have Dyson Daniels mm-hmm. and Shade and Sharp in the top five, and then he's Keegan. there at six. Yeah, Keegan and Keegan. in the top five. So it's it's a very real possibility. The draft never say, goes like we think. I know, I know. Last year right. we were there and it taught right. us a lesson, right? But Corey, I will say of those top four teams, right? Yeah. I, I do still think Houston's the best option because yeah. I, I do like I really hope they move off of Kevin Porter Jr. because what are we talking about anymore? Right. I think we've yeah. we we we're we're there now. We figured it out. Okay. Yeah. We made it to the end of the road and we're like, okay, Kevin Porter Jr. should not be our main initiator. Uh he shouldn't be our point guard. We can no. move on, right? Like he's I, a guy that he's a guy that like I see making an, if he's going to make an impact in the NBA for a, mm-hmm. a winning team, I think right. it's going to be as a six man. Yes, exactly. And, don't, and that's don't, there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. That's exactly you, every team needs a badass six man of who course. can like run a little offense, run the team, get their own, like and just yeah. be like heat check guys. Yeah, but I, I will say though, Corey, I know you mentioned the size, but I, I feel like I feel like Ivy and Jalen Green are long enough. Like Ivy with the six ten wingspan, like you see it defensively too. Like we'll talk about it, but I I I think they're just big enough for it to work. And then even if you start raising the usage of Jalen Green a little bit more, put the ball in in his hands a little bit more, I think there's still enough there where you can balance that out with Ivy. So if we had to pick up the top four, I think I would definitely go Houston out of all those other options, but also very realistically he could fall to six and then the indiana pacers are just they throw in a parade yeah and i honestly i think if he dropped i think there would also be teams that are willing to trade up for him because i think there are a lot of teams i he'll help a lot of a lot of teams he could and then he could very realistically i mean there's a there's some smoke that like sam presti loves him and look sam presti has never been shy with getting his guy so if I mean it, we were like nervous about that if they stayed at four, now they're at two, they might trade back down to four, get an asset, and still get Ivy in, in that scenario. And then I guess you trust you just trust that the process is is gonna work. Uh and they just believe that he's gonna be a superstar in that in that case. And if that's the case, then like some other teams better better realize they might have messed up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but also I I think teams should start calling to see how available SGA is if that's yeah. the case. I wouldn't yeah. be stoked if I was SGA, mm-hmm. you know, because it's not like Harden, Westbrook, and Durant because they're all three slash four. If you want to include Trey Man, are all very similar. If you're putting yeah. Ivy on that team, they all share too many similarities. Where at least Durant was this outlier freak basketball player that was like could play on the ball, play off the ball so seamlessly at a position that was different than like what Harden and Westbrook was. And they brought Harden off the bench initially to kind of make up for some of like the, the ball dominant stuff. So like they, they're, and that was fine with Harden at the time. He was like this, you know, modern Ginobili guy. That would be interesting. I, I can't say I wouldn't be interested in watching how it played out, but yeah, but yeah, it's, it's definitely not as clean as the first go around with, uh, that trio yeah all right let's let's talk about the defense 
What'd you think on ball? I thought he competed. Mm-hmm. I don't think defense is his strength. I like the length a lot. I thought against faster twitchy guards, he uh, struggled a little bit, but his length came back in and he contested some shots. I thought in pick and roll, um, obviously because of guys like Edie, uh, they had to run a lot of drop coverage. I thought in drop coverage, um, and Corey, I think this might be a perfect opportunity for you to do some um, pick and roll defense one-on-one here for our listeners. But um, so you can even correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought in drop coverage, he did a really good job of trying to get through the screen and recover to his man and contest and make the shot more difficult, um, which I liked a lot. Um, But overall, I think I also thought that on possessions where he exerted a lot of himself offensively, that we didn't get the same effort. But overall, I thought he showed good effort, used his length well, um, and in pick and roll, I, there were some good moments there. So, what am I actually saying? I think <laughs> I think he'll be a good to decent defender, is what I think. Yeah. But I'm also ready for you to tell me when I'm wrong. No, I I would agree with that. I I think and as you said, like in that drop, he'll get hit with a screen. Right. And he's, he's kind of getting over and trying to contest from behind. He's trying to get back into play. Yeah. I, I think my issue with his pick and roll defense at times uh, is that he was, and maybe it was an issue with the bigs, not calling it out early enough, or, or maybe it was an issue with him. You know, yeah. it's something we, we kind of have to have a little mm-hmm. background info on, but like really elite, like pick and roll, perimeter defenders guards whatever like they will try to anticipate and step over the screen early to one to kind of blow it up you know the Mm -hmm. the best pick and roll defense is not allowing the pick and roll to start and that's something that again like davion is excellent at you know and he's a little he's a little small drew holiday marcus smart like and you know so that's that's one and there and when he did that you mentioned the length and like the athleticism and the strength and like he is able to blow stuff up. So it's, it's in there. He's capable of it, but there were times that he would get hit with the screen and that's normal. You're going to get hit with, with screens. You can't blow every single pick and roll up. It's going to take everything out of you. And he, while he didn't have the offensive usage, we wished he had, he did still have a, a big load to carry on, on offense, but he didn't, um, he did a good job when he did get hit with the screen, I think of showing enough effort to at least try to get back in the play and contest. And, you know, it doesn't always work out positively when, when you do that, but I, he did it. I think that when he's locked in, he could be great because he showed possessions where it was just like, Oh my God, this yep. dude, you know, it's a little like Jalen Brownie, you know, cause he's like, he's kind of like, even on defense, he's a little fidgety as a, as a yeah. defender. I think his footwork, he, he is a little sloppy at times. It's, mm-hmm. it's kind of like his shot where it's like, he gets a little too narrow and somehow he's narrow, but not fully upright at the same time. I don't know quite how to explain it. Uh, Cause he, felt, he fell for head fakes a lot too. He, he, he bit on pump fakes for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But like I thought, and his steel number should have been higher in my yes. opinion, but like, but he did show times where he had, he would have quick hands and like, 
he could strip guys and he would anticipate when the shot was going up or when he was really locked in and in front playing with his chest, which, you know, is something we always say we were so high on Davion last year is when you play with your chest and you're not reaching, you're just like, you're putting guys in tough positions to get up really awful shots. And that kind of leads to like some blocks and, and strips and whatnot. Um, I think that some of the bad stuff kind of showed when teams would try to like uh, when he would like down, try to down a screen or ice a screen, Mm -hmm. he would open up a little too much to where sometimes he wouldn't be able to cut. Like he would open his stance to where he wouldn't exactly be able to cut his man off uh, and slide back in front. Because, you know, when you're doing that, you're trying to force somebody sideline and you're trying to force them into help. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. So you kind of want to lead them into that help and and force them in that direction. But when you open your stance up too much, you're giving them a lane. Mm -hmm. Sometimes he Mm -hmm. would do that. Now he was so athletic that he was able to recover and get back into play, but he'll be able to do that less in the NBA because there's way more athletic guys and not every Mm -hmm. guard or wing that he guards is going to be able to do that. But sometimes it will, and it's going to look worse at that level than this level. He might also have, uh, a big defender that's way more mobile than Edie or and Trevion. So right. that might help as well. Mm-hmm. But I think that just the positioning of his feet sometimes on those pick and roll, you know, or even ISOs where he's trying to force guys sideline is something that he needs to like clean up a little bit. And then off ball, I kind of wish he was a little better in the passing lanes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I really agree. Thank you for okay. First off, I want to say I, I like when you go go into like Professor Tulliba mode and you start teaching <laughs> us about stuff because you know me, Corey. I, I've never pretended to be some X's and O expert. So I love I actually love when you get into that mode. Um the the icing thing though is really interesting because I think you're right. And that's something that I think he really has to fine-tune for the next level because Everything that he was able to compensate with in college with his athleticism, he's not going to have the same advantage on the NBA level. So if he opens, exactly, if he opens up lanes like that, uh, he's asking for trouble. So um, if he ends up on the Knicks and he, and he ices like that, he will hear it from Tom, from Coach Tibbs. Because <laughs> yes. Coach Tibbs, uh, all he does is yell, I saw game. So you better be doing it right. And he <laughs> likes to nail that in practice too. So um, I'm definitely with you there. I think the off-ball stuff, as you mentioned, like I, I feel like he should have had more steals too, considering, the, number one, I mean, he's playing in college and these guys make all kinds of mistakes thrown to the weak side or whatever. Um, but also because of the length, the anticipation, the athleticism that he has. Because as you mentioned, sometimes he showed it where he would yeah. just get into that passing lane, rip it and go get, get himself an easy, easy bucket. So uh, I'm with you on that, man. I just, um, there's some fine tuning that, yeah. that he needs to get done. Yeah. Which is fine. And you're optimistic because he made such tremendous strides as a player from year one to year two, that you're like, this is a kid who works hard and improves comes from a basketball family. And then there are intangible things that he brings to the court that you're just like, Oh my God, like, how many prospects have we seen this from? Like the, he, I believe it was the, the North Carolina game. He had a one minute stretch where it went from, this is going to be a close game to this game is out of hand. Like he had a, a nine point swing in a minute span where he stole the game. And it, it showed like the whole package because he was making reads in transition end to end where he was hitting like in midair, like, 
hitting the weak side wing. He had one where he hit the corner. Like he's showing the whole package and there are these winning moments where just like, that's impact. There's, it's a minute stretch where he just decided the game is mine. Right. 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 And Corey is, that's kind of the star quality to him, right? That he can take over like that. So once again, like he very much deserves to be, discussing the range that he is right now he is clearly a top three top four top five talent because he can do that where he is he can be so influential that he literally dictates the terms of the game so if he can do more of that on the next level then we're talking about a ridiculous player so i i think for all our listeners out there obviously we've had some critiques for ivy tonight but we're talking about a guy who could potentially be a supernova is how i feel yeah 100 percent, and Again, like you're gonna tell me that one, two, three is big, 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 and they're gonna be the three best players in the draft. <laughs> when does that happen? That doesn't happen. Consensus is almost never right. 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 So is Ivy the guy that's gonna make you pay? He could be. Mm-hmm. He could be. I don't know what to do with him. I, I still don't. We just talked it out. I feel better about him just having this long drawn out conversation about all of the things that he yeah. brings to the table and needs to improve on and how much runway he has to improve still as a player and what that's going to look like in the context and the spacing and all of that. And I still don't necessarily know what to do with him because I, he's just, I, I don't want to regret passing on him. Is my I know. Thing. He, he's scary. He's scary in that way. Yeah, he yeah. is. All right. Before we get into sell me this pen, if you're buying stock in Ivy, do you have any interesting comps? Um, I, dude, I'm telling you, I tried my absolute best. I know. I, I, <laughs> here's the problem: we didn't have guys like Ivy in the '90s no, or no. In the 2000s. <laughs> you know, so I have one name. I, I don't love it. Um, but I'm throwing that in there. It's not a 90s guy, not a 2000s guy. He still plays now um, because I, I, I think you, you and I have talked about him before. So I think I knew, know who you're going to comp him to. So I didn't want to touch those guys. But I thought, what about when Victor Oladipo was vegan and healthy and was really explosive? Mm. I was like, oh, you know, a little, a little something. Obviously, they look pretty good. Whatever. But I was yeah, do you remember? One one, yeah. but that's, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah. When he, he was on the Pacers and there was like that mm-hmm. whole article about him going vegan and right. he was healthy and doing stuff. And I was like, that Oladipo was really good, really athletic and really healthy back then. So yeah. I, I thought that, that was decent. He had that kind of like, is he a point guard? Is he not a point yes. guard? Is he a primary? He's pr- but now he is a primary. Right. You know, so that's, that's not bad. That's not bad. You know, I was a spoiler. I was looking at our, our, our draft guide uh-huh. that, you know, we're releasing, I believe next week we're oh it, it'll be God. up for sale. Wow. So the draft is coming up. And I think the comps and the first comp one that I, I I've said, he reminds me of a lot all year is I, I really he really reminds me of like a, a young Zach Levine. You know, I, I get the John ja Morant comp for sure. So I, it's kind of like Zach Levine with Jaws jumper because Zach always had like a smooth shot. And he I don't think that's the cleanest, but I think just as like herky jerky athleticism, like right. good enough handle, maybe not the cleanest, shiftiest guy in the world, but like definitely functional enough to consistently beat his man. I've always used that one, but in our draft guide and uh, 
you know, we, we all kind of contributed to different players. So some of the comps that we came up with, and again, it's not one-to-one, it's not, it's just like, we call it prospect chemistry. So it's like a little part of this guy's game, a little part of that guy's game. And you're making a formula. It was like Zach Levine, John Wall, which I guess maybe for some of that, like end-to-end speed and maybe potentially the playmaking. And then it was like a little Terry Rozier was the third one that we used. So that's kind of an interesting cocktail of players that I could kind of see mm-hmm. if you, if you add those guys up, you can maybe add a, a, a Jaden Ivy. Yeah, no, I, I think it's fair. The, the Rozier one kind of threw me off, but I get it too. I get it. Um, Ivy. Okay. If we can kind of, I know we're wrapping up Corey. I think the reason why Ivy is so interesting to us is because of the conversation that we just had. It's so difficult to find a comp for him other than like a John Moran, Zach Levine type. And if you start to think about the names that we're comparing Ivy to, it's got to make you think, well, maybe we're overthinking this guy a little bit. (laughs) Uh, 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 Maybe he's going to be freaking i laughed before when you said wicked fast i automatically thought of like you think you're wicked smart yeah like, i'm like uh, i'm not from boston I was, I know, when i, I said that i'm like why did uh, i say that <laughs> but anyway um i i think where we're getting to Corey ultimately is this guy's a freak yeah. there are not many people in nba history like him so maybe we should be afraid to use a top three pick on him is what i'm starting to think no no i don't think so that's the that's the Jaden Ivy conundrum. There it is. <laughs> so to 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 end the show, and again, shout out to everybody in the chat. Shout out to everybody participating in the chat, watching in the background. Shout out Mr. Ray. Shout out Kurt. Shout out Reg Dalla. Shout out everybody. I make music. Mm-hmm. Gangadar. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Sell me this pen on Jaden Ivy. I think uh, there are a lot of people in the world who spend a lot of their time and resources collecting things that are rare. Uh, if you live on Long Island, if you live in the suburbs, if you live anywhere in rural America, a lot of people have garage sales and um, you know these types of yard sales. And people are always on the hunt for something rare. Uh, if you're a Gary V fan, Uh, you know that he's always searching for things that are rare and valuable. Shout out trash talk. Yeah. You know, um, I I actually do a great Gary V impression, but I won't do it right now. Uh, (laughs) But here's the thing. Here's the thing. People like things that are rare. And I think ultimately Jaden Ivey, as we've broken him down over the course of this episode, Jaden Ivey is a rare type of basketball player because of the speed, the athleticism, the size, um, everything, the playmaking, the defensive potential, the shooting potential. When you start putting all these things together, he becomes a very rare basketball player that when we start to dig deep into the history of this game, we find very few players that are like him. And Corey and I are two people who really appreciate old basketball too and older players. And we are trying to find somebody that's like him and we can't really do it. So I, I think if I were to sell this pen of Jaden Ivey, if you're an NBA front office guy and you're looking for something rare, something that's going to be very valuable, that's going to add value to your team and, and potentially raise the floor and the ceiling of your team where you're potentially competing for NBA titles, you might want a guy like Jaden Ivey, who's kind of like nobody else and in a really good way, is how I would sell you this pen. 
sold to the highest bidder. <laughs> it's going to be fun watching where he lands on on draft night, man. Because I think yeah. this is and this is the first episode that we've done this cycle post lottery where we broke down a player knowing the position of the teams, you know, That's and true. trying to figure out and maneuver and and understand context. So I, I can't wait. This draft is going to be it's going to be so fun, man. This fun. Is, it's going to be really. I can't wait for our draft stream. It's probably going to be ridiculous, uh, as was our draft lottery stream. <laughs> and I can't wait to just react to all of the chaos, man. I can't. Albert, tell tell the people where they could find you on the internet. Uh, you can find me at Alberto Gim uh, on Twitter. That toe is with an E. Uh, recently, I randomly hit over 500 followers. Which Let's is- go growth for me guys yes. I, I i it's weird I, I didn't even notice it and so we need to I'm, pump that up that, i know, know. The, 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 come on everyone pump that up those yeah. are rookie numbers let's pump that up yeah I, I'm, I'm hoping maybe i can hit like a thousand uh plus by draft night that would be cool you know just double up by draft night but who knows but anyway um that's where you'll find me i'm actually dropping a piece this week it's been such a freaking hectic week at work but I want to make make it in time and and, and post this uh, article because I'm writing about Jalen Williams and he's like the 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 bell of the ball right now after the combine. So mm-hmm. want to talk a little bit about him. I won't do a full deep dive just because everyone's doing that right now. I just I kind of really wanted to just focus on one aspect of his game that I really love. So I'll be dropping that uh, this week. Let's go, let's go. Follow Albert on Twitter. <laughs> You can follow me at Corey Tulliba on Twitter, NBA Draft Dude on YouTube, No Ceilings TV on YouTube. If you're watching live, you're here. Hit that like button. You could find my written work. I'll be dropping something this week as well. Uh, Ryan Rollins interview that I touched on. I'll talk about how he played at the Combine. Um, so I'm really excited about that piece. And uh, make sure that you, if you haven't yet, rate and subscribe to the draft act nba draft podcast on anywhere podcasts are available but hit us with that rating on apple hit us with that rating on spotify help your boys out and uh you know we're gonna be back later in the week with another episode talking about uh and comparing our our big boards so you're gonna want to be locked in for that and you, you gotta subscribe so you get that notification that a new episode just dropped so until that time y'all Appreciate y'all for rocking with us. All the support. We out. Peace. Peace.